Yvonne and I have just been uh, away to uh, Wales. We had a nice holiday, a little break. <coughs> and there was just uh, all these little baby lambs being born everywhere, like, you know, just jumping about. It was just so much fun to watch them, you know. We've, we've seen it many times before, because where we have a, some guy who has a caravan out there, which we rent most years, and there's a field right outside the back of that caravan and there's sheep in there and we've been a couple of times when they've had lambs and they're just jumping everywhere but what they love to watch them do is they just come and jump and stand on top of mom it's like she's just laying there and there's a little lamb stood on top of her it's like you know they just get everywhere but it's just that sense I guess of new life isn't it which is what kind of this is about isn't it what, what Easter is about what we're trying to remember is the resurrection of Jesus but there's something particular I need to say, I think this morning, or wanted to say this morning, is that Jesus didn't die and rise from the dead to give us a, a chance of life after death, or not just for that reason. Most people think about life or Christian things and they think, oh, when you die, you'll go to be with the Lord. You know, that seems to be quite a big part of what people think Christians believe, that when we die, we go to be with Jesus. That's all very true, but that's not the only reason he died. He died that we might have not life after we die, but that we might have life while we're alive. There's something about what he did when he rose from the dead that brought about a change in all of humanity and all of the human race. When we look at humanity and we look at the human race, we probably don't see it because we think it's just as bad as it was and things are just as bad as it was well that's okay because the bible does say it's going to get bad you know i'm not one of these doomsday preachers who says like you know we're going to there'll be wars rumors of wars and this war means it's the end time i'm not really too worried about all of that i think that there's a message of hope to give even if it is getting to the end do you know i understand scriptures I've been reading them since I was five years old. Some think I even had them in, in the womb. I don't know, but anyway. That I, I've, I've read all through scriptures, and one of the things that was terrible to study was the book of Revelation. It's so confusing. It's so difficult. But it's only confusing and difficult because we are humans who like to read things with logic and reason. But a logic and reason that we've learned, if you like, it's a humanistic logic and reason and it fits for us because it helps us do all of our things that we do in life without logic and reason we probably wouldn't be able to do a lot of things that we do but when you read the bible particularly when you read revelation you have to kind of go it's not the same logic and reason that wrote that god's mind and god's way of thinking is very different to ours so as you're sort of plowing your way through your revelation, you might not even know this, but you're going forward in time, you're going backward in time, you're crossing over here a bit. It's like he's talking about something that's going to happen in the future and then something that'll happen between before then and then it'll happen after. So you don't get your mind to be able to work it out. But one thing I do remember reading in there, and I think it's a message of hope, it's brilliant. It says this, that it talks about this thing called the time of tribulation. And nobody likes us to talk about that in church anymore because we don't want to scare people, right? But that there's going to come a time almost when everything will be so, so bad. But I was reading in Revelation one day, and I read that during that period of time, 
seven years or three and a half years. There's a big debate over how long that's going to be. But during that period of time, it says, a great host of people came up to heaven. During that worst time, a great host of people came up to heaven. I've got news for you. If you miss it first time around, there's hope. Because the Bible talks about this thing called the rapture where Christians might just disappear off the planet. Which, I'm sorry, I I would love to be one left behind. No, I don't mean that in a bad way. Uh, You know, I want to be one who goes when, you know, when that happens. But I'd love to be one left behind and go, see? See? But I won't be there to do it. But anyway, but that's okay because it talks about even after that, people will still turn to God. And there's this resurrection, another resurrection that takes place of people. That's not what I was preaching on, by the way, but I just thought I'd throw that in. So when Jesus rose from the dead, what was it, what was it about? What was one of the things? And, and, and I want to read Genesis chapter 1, verse 1. So I know Ian's over there and he's doing a great job and I appreciate everything he does with the mute when he puts the words up for us. It's brilliant. In Genesis 1, it says, In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. That's, a, that's the only verse I want to start with. If you know me... If you want to know where my sermon starts, let's go to Genesis. Because I think it's all found in there. But anyway, we can be New Testament teachers as well. That's okay. So then what we have here is two things created. One is the natural and the other is the supernatural, the heavens and the earth. One is the physical realm, the other is the spiritual realm. One is the earthly and the other is the heavenly. Now, I want you to see that because it's connected to with what Jesus was doing on the cross. There was like a division between those two realms. There was like heaven, well, let me just say, heaven is like this. It's full of peace and joy and love and health and life. No sickness, no pain, no death, no sorrow, no division, take me home. I say, let me get there, you know. That's what heaven is like. It is the most beautiful, tranquil, glorious place. I've said this to you a couple of times before, that like the scientist and the poet are debating about whether God is, is real, you know. And the scientist says, he should come down from his throne down here so we can understand him and we can talk to him and we can, under, and we can work out what he's really about. And that was the scientist wanting to understand God. But the poet says, I just want to stick my head in the heavens and go, whoa. Because I think that's what will happen. I've often said this here. Heaven's not going to be like what you think. All of us think somehow, we suffer down here, we get through, And maybe we'll get to heaven, and maybe Peter will let us through the gate. Not my brother, not a chance. My brother Peter will say, he's not coming in when he sees me arriving. No, we get these images and stuff, but I I kind of see it very, very different to that. My, My image is this. I struggle in life, don't you, to believe everything that we're supposed to believe. Should pastors say that? Well, why not? Tell the truth for a change. I struggle to cope with everything that I'm supposed to be able to cope with. You know, the Bible says incredible things like that God loves you and God loves me. 
and most of the time, intellectually, we, we get it. We know that the Bible says it. But how many times have people had those moments in their life where they go, God, if you love me, how is this? And I think that that's because we've, we've got an image of what we think God loving us actually looks like, even down here on the earth. And that might be, for some of you, incredibly wonderful. But I'm going to say this to you. When you get to heaven and you be, you're face to face with the one who's loved you before you were born, you're going to experience a love from him that you've never ever experienced before. And you will be in pieces in worship before him. Because it's not how we imagine it. Somehow we're going to get there thinking, we've come to him with all of our knowledge and wisdom and experience of life. You know, I've been a Christian since I was five. I've been in ministry for over 40 years. It's like I'm going to get to him and say, hey, I've arrived. Like that's going to make any difference to him whatsoever. To the person who walks into church this morning and hears for the first time and has had a life of hell and death and sickness and disease and, and robbery and whatever else and comes to church that morning and gives his life to Jesus, walks out, gets knocked down, gets to heaven, goes before the Father, has nothing what I've got to say. And God says, I have been longing for you to arrive. Because that's his love. It's not what we kind of, have, you know, love is conditional down here. Whether we, we don't, we never say it is. No, I love you unconditionally, but you wrong me different story so heaven is this incredible place earth and i'll say this because i want you to understand i'm also a human being right earth has got glimpses of the things of heaven so there are times of peace there are times of joy there are times of tranquility i guess but unfortunately earth is also full of such things like fear and hatred and anger and, and war, and pain, and sorrow, and sadness. All the things that aren't in heaven. But they're here with us on this earth. Now I know the idea that we can die and go to heaven is true. But I think that what one of the things Jesus did was, he did this so that he could bring heaven to earth. There's an illustration I love to give at this time of year about when Jesus rose from the dead. So if you don't, if you don't know the story, Jesus was on the cross on Good Friday and he, his, he, he dies, his life is gone and they put him in a tomb and then three days later he rises from the dead. Well, the Bible gives us lots of information about what went on in those three days. And usually the idea is that he went to hell. But, but again, we've got an image of hell that we've had portrayed to us on the TV that, that the devil runs hell. Actually, hell was created for him. But anyway, let's just back up a little bit. There was a place of the departed, is what we're talking about, in which the enemy very much was part of that. And so the, the story goes that, that Jesus is sent, he dies and his body goes into hell and, he's, and that the devil thinks, I've got him. And so all the little demons are having a party, little campfire around. And down the end of the corridor there is a room and a door, a thick door. And behind that door is the body of Jesus, is the person of Jesus. We've won! We've beat you! 
And so they're partying away, and the devil's going, I'm the number one, you know, whatever he's doing. I don't know. I, I'm, not re- I'm not really, no. I don't know what he's doing, you know, with his tail. And, uh, and, and, and like, so the first day of, of celebrations go on, and, you know, it's like thinking he's, he's, you know, then second day. And then the third day, there's a bit of a, a kerfuffle going on, because, you know, when parties go on a long time, you think sometimes, is this really happening, or is it just, are we, have we had a bit... I'm only talking from what I've heard other people say. Um, <laughs> and suddenly, one of the little demons comes running up to the devil and says, there's something happening, there's something happening. And he says, what? He says, you'll have to come and look. And down the end of the corridor, there's a light behind the door. And it's not supposed to be a light behind the door. And so they're all stood at the end of this corridor looking down, and, and, and suddenly the door bursts open. And the bright light comes, and out comes walking from here, comes the Lord. And he walks up to the devil, and the devil has no idea what to do. And he stood there, and Jesus says, these belong to me. And he takes from him the keys of death and Hades. He says, you no longer have this power. You no longer have this ability to put people in fear of death. From this point on, anyone who believes in me shall never die, but he will live forever. And he robbed him. And all of his hosts of their power that day. Now that's going on behind the scenes. We don't know that. But I, w- I tell you what, this is also what happens. In Revelation chapter 4 verse 1, this is what happened the day that, or over this period where Jesus is, rises from the dead. After these things, this is in the book of Revelation. I've said it's a great book, but you have to kind of read it with God's understanding, not yours. After these things... It's Revelation 4, I think it's verse 1. After these things, I looked and behold a door standing open in heaven. And the first voice which I heard was like a trumpet speaking, saying to me, Come up here and I will show you things that must be, must take place in this place. So when Jesus rises from the dead, it's like heaven opens for us. We see the same thing in Matthew uh, chapter 3, sorry, sorry, in Malachi chapter 3 verse 10. It says, bring to me the tithes into the storehouse that there may be food in my house and try me in this, says the Lord. If I will not open the windows of heaven and pour out such a blessing that there'll be not enough room to receive it. This is what's happening on the day that Jesus rises from the dead. He's opening the windows of heaven. We see it also in Matthew 3, 16. When he's baptized, Jesus comes immediately out of the water. And behold, the heavens were open to him. And he saw the Spirit descending like a dove. So what am I saying? Heaven's realities. God created the heavens and the earth. Heaven's realities are just far superior, far more glorious than earthly realities. What happened when Jesus rose from the dead? Heaven's realities became available to the earth. Did you not say the prayer when you were a child growing up? The Lord's Prayer. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth. As it is in heaven. Why do you think Jesus told us to pray that prayer? Because he knew the day was coming when heaven would be open to earth. 
So he got us all as kids to pray it. Since you've been a child, you've been praying what Jesus died for. Lord, now what is in heaven? Let it come on earth. You've all been praying it. Incredible revivals have happened over many, many centuries. Just a couple of things of evidence of this heaven coming to earth. There was a revival in Wales. And in Wales, one of the towns in Wales, everyone gave their life to God. Everyone became a Christian. There was no more crime in the town. The police didn't know what to do. Now that's like heaven arriving on earth. But it comes at specific times, it seems. When God has a move, when God moves closer for some reason, for whatever reason he does it, but when there's these times of revival, there seems to be evidence of what we've prayed as children. <laughs> Let what is in heaven come on earth. And another great revival that happened, um, and it was in more of these countries where there's uh, lots of famine and lots of you know, things were scarce, and this revival turned up, and their crops increased over 10 times the amount and 10 times the size. It was like a supernatural encounter when God turned up, when heaven came and invaded earth. We begin to see these things happening. People raised from the dead, incredible healings, incredible miracles, restoration of families. Now I look at the world and I think, we need so many more of these outpourings because I see the opposite at work. So much death and sorrow and sadness and breakups and it's like, God, but Jesus rose from the dead to make it possible. It's down to us to desire that, for us as a world to desire that. Do you know what happened in that little town in Wales was because they all fell in love with God, because they all turned their hearts toward God, they loved one another. And so they didn't want to rob anymore from people and hurt people. That's what is possible in the hurt in the earth. Hurt, as I'd say. Black country, whatever. There is still miracles today. But that wasn't the main reason that he did what he did. John 1, verse 12. I'm going to come now and finish with this. This is why Jesus rose from the dead. To bring heaven to earth, yes. But there was a specific part of it. John 1, verse 12. As many as received him, to them he gave the right to become the children of God, to those who believe in his name. The reason Jesus rose from the dead to bring life, like I said at the very beginning, if you remember, I said, um, to lots of people, being a Christian means we live after we die. But what Jesus came was to bring life while we were alive. To bring us life in this world where we live. And life in this world is like the life in heaven if we can have it. Where there's more peace, where there's more joy, where there's more hope, where there's more life. And that life that he wants you and me to have is what he's speaking of here. To as many as received him, to gave, he gave them power or right to become children of God. To become 
transformed from just being... You know, I have to, I have to clarify a few things when, when I start preaching because I realise my mind has changed over the years. It's not just to say that you become a Christian. It's that you become a human who the Spirit of God comes to dwell in. You never stop being a human. It still hurts. It's still confusing. Just because you're a Christian doesn't mean you're not human. You are very human. But you have the Spirit of God with you. And that can bring life. That can bring joy. That can bring peace in the middle of a storm. But it doesn't mean there won't be a storm. Are you hearing what I'm saying? We, we can't think, now I'm a Christian, I'll never get anything go wrong anymore. Hello. That's not how it works. But what I do know is that when it goes wrong, you have one who will stand with you in the middle of it. Do you remember the story? You might not, some of you who are watching this. There's a story in the Bible of, of three people called Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They're great names. Don't recommend you call your children any of them, to be honest. But you could give it a try. Come here, Shadrach. How you doing? I don't know about Abednego, though. That's a great name, isn't it, that one? <laughs> what do you short that to? I don't know. Anyway. But, but they, were in a, uh, they were Jews living in another foreign country. They'd been taken in as slaves uh, to this country. And the, the ruler of that nation wanted them to bow down and worship him, wanted them to uh, worship some idol or something, whatever. And, and they refused. They said no. And the, 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 the king called them to himself and he actually liked these three guys. He didn't want them to be in trouble. He said, but look, We've put a law down. Won't you just bow down and worship? He says, and then, you know, because if you don't, you're going to be thrown in the fiery furnace. And this is the story. And what happens is, they said, look, even if our God doesn't deliver us, we are not going to bow down to you and to your idol. Now, that to me is what Christianity ought to be. Even if it goes terribly wrong, I'm not bowing down. My God, if he wants to deliver me, he can do it. And so they go, don't, don't go in there knowing they're going to be set free. They don't. They go in there very human. Very much like, well, this is it. Great, we've had a good time. But, and it says, and as they went in, even the, they stoked the fire ten more times to get it hotter. It says, and as they went in, it says, even the people who threw them in died out of the heat. But they end up in the middle of the fire. But here's the bit. It says, And there was another one standing with them who looked like the Son of Man. Whenever that phrase is used in the Old Testament, it means Jesus. So in the midst of there, not out of it, he didn't go in and take them out. In the midst of it, he stood with them in it. And sometimes we have to realise that being a Christian might mean an in-the-midst moment sometimes. I don't even know where I am now, but I enjoyed that. He came to give life to the human race, to give restoration to this fallen race, to give hope to this broken race, to restore humanity to its true source of joy and peace and life and reconnect us with God. You know, when God created Adam, it says that he breathed into him and he became a living being. 
Well, I think what he breathed in was more than breath. I think he breathed in life. I think he breathed in love. I think he breathed in acceptance. I think he breathed in security. I think he breathed in significance so that Adam is, is, comes to life knowing exactly who he is. Comes to life feeling so like he belongs. Feeling like, wow, I could not be any closer to my creator, my God. Absolutely secure. And then that all gets wiped away. And it gets wiped away for all of us too. Because even in our human state, we don't always feel secure. We don't always feel safe. We don't always feel like we belong, even in our human state. How much more can that affect us between us and God? But that's why Jesus rose from the dead, to give us a reconnect with that source. Belonging, acceptance, forgiveness, and security. These are truly what believing in Jesus connects us to. For those who believe in him, he gave them power or the right to become the children. And this is what the children experience. Belonging, acceptance, forgiveness and security. I've, I've got some um, grandchildren and they're just amazing. I have to talk about them, I can't help it. But I've got two particular ones who are two years old, both two years old. Lila and Grace, and they're just so cute. And they completely different in terms of personality. So little, little Grace is very demanding. As it, by that I mean, it's like, do this, do that, go there, fetch this, fetch that. She's constantly telling us what to do. Whereas little Lila's running around just talking to herself. <laughs> She's just having a great time. To, but completely different. And yet when they see, see each other, because they come to our house on a Monday, and we look after both of them at the same time, they come to our house on a Monday, and when, if Grace is there first, which she normally is, we hear the door go, and she'll go, is that Lila? She calls her Lila. And, and then you can hear Lila coming in with, with her mom, and she's saying, where's Grace? Where's Grace? Where's Grace? And they just come and stand in front of each other, and we think, this is a beautiful moment. They're going to hug and kiss. It's like, you know. And, and Lila goes, Grace, what are you doing? And then walks away. And that's it. That's, that's, that's them. They've done it. They've done the bit, you know. But you can, you can, I don't know if you know this, but you can see even in a two-year-old whether they feel safe or not, whether they feel secure or not. You can see it, whether they feel they belong or not. Especially when you bring up a stranger to, to them and they go, whoa, 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 who are you? Mama. That's two-year-old. You're not two anymore, are you? But if you think that you don't get affected by <laughs> feelings of security and not. Anyway, thank you for listening this morning. Thanks for being here. It's been a great morning. And oh, end of the sermon. Happy Easter, everyone. <laughs> I ought to have started with that, hadn't I, really? Anyway, God bless you. Thank you. Take care.